my message is called, Now Go. And I want to read something um, that the Lord gave me on September the 18th. Uh, some of you might have already read it. Uh, the Elijah List actually just recently published this article. Uh, it was called The Higher Ground. The name of the article was called The Higher Ground. So I'm going to read it because it's going to kind of tie in to uh, the message this morning. <clears throat> On September 18th, the Lord began to speak to me. And he said, the enemy is after the gold season. The gold season is the blessings and the favor that the Lord has placed upon you. The enemy is after your anointing. Shortly after this, I received a spiritual attack. Not only did this attack manifest spiritually, but it also began to manifest natural through people and things that were around me. This attack was intentional and it was specific. As I went into prayer <clears throat> about what I was seeing, Holy Spirit quickened me and said, this is a targeted strike against God's anointed. I was then taken into a vision where I saw the distractions of the enemy, and I was able to hear and see the tactics and the schemes of the enemy. What I began to see were like carnival games filled with deceptive prizes. The people had faces like clowns. And everywhere I could see, there were vendors calling them out. <clears throat> it was almost as if like, I don't know how many people have been to carnivals, but in the city, big carnivals, they have like all these games where you throw the ball and you had to put it in a certain thing, or if you try to shoot a basket, but, you know, these games are designed for you to lose. They're not made for you to win. Like, literally, the baskets, they're not the size of the ball. They're, like, smaller to where it fits perfectly. So, you, I mean, you can shoot this basket, but it's not going to, you won't win. And I began to see these, there were games everywhere, and these games were designed for you to fail. They were designed for you to fail. And everywhere I was watching, I could see that there were vendors just like, hey, come over here, you know, like when you go to the games, you know, $3, win the big bear. And they were calling you out. They were calling us out. The enemy was using carnival-like distractions to get the eyes of the bride off the real prize. Part of this tactic was placing things in front of you that, the, that would entertain the minds and the hearts of the believer. The enemy is seeking for the bride of Christ to partake of the foolish games that are being currently presented to them. He is coming to take your time and to get your eyes gazed on the soulish things. Last night, I had a dream. I, I wasn't tired or nothing. I mean, I was great. But, but I must have gone to bed, like, immediately. <laughs> but I, my rest was under attack in the spirit. 
My rest was under attack. And I remember I woke up right about 1 o'clock and, and out of this dream. And when I woke up out of this dream, I was so frustrated. Because it felt like I hadn't slept at all. And I had already been asleep for like three hours. And in this dream, what I saw was this. Somebody owed me money for work that I did. And when I went to go and receive the payment of this work, they wrote the check out to my name and it was wrong. So I had to go through this process in this dream to try to get them to correct my check. And the person that wrote the check in the dream, it felt like it was the enemy. You know, I can't say that I saw like the devil, or I, but it felt like it was deception. But it felt like I was, but I was trying to receive something for something that I had did or done. So as I go into the place, I said, yeah, I'm here. You know, that you, you, you put the check wrong. I'm not receiving, you know. And they said, well, you just got to wait. So they made me sit down, and I'm waiting in this dream. I'm dreaming about waiting. But I can see the man that has the power and the authority to correct the problem. And he's staring at me, knowing that I'm waiting for this to be corrected. So in my dream, I'm, I'm like, I'm getting frustrated. Like, and I'm walking and I'm pacing and I'm waiting and I'm like, man, this guy. And then so finally, I never received what I was waiting for. And I, was, and I, I woke up at 1 o'clock, 1.17 to be exact. And I should have asked the Lord about the timing on that. But 1.17 is when I woke up for that, from that. And I said, Thank you, Lord, for getting me out of that. Thank you for getting out of me that. And I said, Lord, don't put me back in that dream. And I began to ask the Lord. So I'm laying there at 1 o'clock in the morning. I'm asking the Lord, Lord, what was that about? And then he began to speak to me. And it was almost confirmation even on this dream particular, I mean on this encounter, where the enemy is trying to get you focused on things That'll waste your time. Because see, I was sitting there waiting for something that I thought that was I deserved, but it was because I was under a works mentality. Because of something that I did, I was expecting compensation for, rather than trusting the Lord for the resources and the tools and the finances to get through what we need to do. You see, sometimes we do that in our mind. We do things to get something. Even in our walk with the Lord. Perfect example with the man told Mark that I have to beat myself because God doesn't love me. That's the mentality that some of us have sometimes. That we have to do something to get something. And the enemy wants to keep you in this place. In a place of waiting in a place of just frustration and anger, like, why am I not seeing my breakthrough? Man, I've done everything that I'm supposed to do, God. I've prayed. I've fasted. I've tithed. 
And I'm still here waiting. We have to get our eyes fixed on the Lord this season. The enemy wants you, and he wants your time. He wants your anointing. Let me tell you what. If the enemy can get you locked up in this little bitty place over here, worried about what's around you, that means you won't be effective in the kingdom of heaven because you're so wrapped up in your mind and in yourself. What good are you to the body of Christ if you're so focused on things right here? And that's what the enemy wants. Because, see, the enemy sees your purpose The enemy sees your destiny. The enemy knows your calling. Sometimes he knows your calling better than than we know our own calling. So, he is coming to take your time to get your eyes gazed on the soulish things. We are at a pivotal time of seeing the kingdom of God being established here on earth. Shortly after this vision, I began to see the Lord dressing the beloved bride. See, the Lord is dressing us. I really believe that. He's taking us from a place of always constantly having to be in the warfare mentality that, oh, I'm always warring. Come on, some of us have been in that season. Where everything feels like it's a war. Oh, the enemy's after my marriage. The enemy's after this. The enemy's. Listen, if we get out of our mind and see the way that God sees, our warfare will come from a place of victory. Because you've already won. You've won. Jesus said, It is finished. Guess what? That means there's no weapon in hell that would be formed against you will prosper. Unless you let it. See, the enemy doesn't have no authority to come into your house. If you're a believer and you've given your life to Jesus, the enemy has no power and no authority to come into your spiritual house unless you open the door. You know how you open the door? Is when you agree. Agreement gives access. That's why the Bible says the two or more agree. Come on, do you know the enemy's the, the counterfeit of what the Lord says? The same way, if two or more agree, the enemy's agreeing for your destruction already. So all he needs is one more. And if it's you, then you open up the spiritual windows of your house and you give access to everything to come in, including lust, pornography, suicide, hope deferred, bitterness, addictions, drugs. All those things come from the simple thing of agreement. Those are the soulish things. Those are the things that the enemy is trying to get your eyes to gaze upon. The Lord is dressing His beloved bride He's dressing us for battle. God is releasing the blueprints of the enemy's assault and He is placing every tactic and plan of the enemy and He's putting it on display for the world to see, for us to see. It's like, 
well, I don't know, brother, but I just, I just feel like I, I can see the enemy coming in, and he, he's attacking my husband, and then, then I can see this is going on over here with my daughter, and, and, and I, we know the plan. We say it all the time. Well, yeah, the enemy's coming in, and man, he's attacking my finances and my job, and then I just got this, and then we complain, 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 complain. We murmur, murmur, murmur. It's like, why are you complaining? The Lord is giving you the blueprints and, told, and showing you where the enemy's coming in. We have to have our spiritual eyes open and see the plan. And we have to change the way that we think. Because you have victory. You have victory. You're a son and a daughter. Man. The same way the Lord revealed the tactics to king, the king of Syria, to Elijah, even more so will he do for you and I. 2 Kings 6.12 says, and one of his servants uh, uh, and said, none, I'm sorry, none, my Lord, oh king, but Elijah the prophet who was in Israel tells the king of Israel every word that you see. God is displaying and dispatching the heavenly host on our behalf. <clears throat> During this same encounter that I had with the Lord, I began to hear what sounded like four trumpets. And it seemed to be coming for the four corners, and it created a sound of unity. This sound was so loud and distinct that it caused the enemy to lift his focus off the saints. See, the enemy was, was taking our time. And he was wasting our time. And we were spending all energy and all efforts on things that, that God had never intended for us. And the enemy was keeping us in that place where we were fixed on those things. But then there was a trumpet that was sounded. It said the sound was so distinct that it caused the enemy to lift his focus off the saints. It was in that moment that I heard the Lord say this. And it was so clear. He said, advance. Move forward. Go now. He said, go now. It's time to advance. The sound and the winds of heaven are prevailing. Your time of activation is now. Your marching orders are here. As I was coming out of this encounter, I heard the Lord say this, and this part just wrecked me. I heard the Lord say this, fret not, victorious bride. I have secured the higher ground. I have secured the higher ground. And then he reminded me of the scripture in Judges 7. Uh, verse 19, where it says, So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outpost in the camp, and they began at the middle of the watch. Just as they had posted the watch, they blew the trumpets, and they broke the pitchers that were in their hands. Then all three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers, and they held the torches in their left hand, and they said, for the Lord of Gideon, 
for the Lord, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And then every man stood in its place. They stood in its place. And all around the camp, the whole army ran and cried and fled when the 300 began to blow the trumpets. And the Lord set every man's sword against his companion, and the whole camp and the army fled. We are in a monumental time of the Lord, and God is positioning his bride. Listen, this whole article... The Lord is positioning, and I believe what, ha- what happened yesterday, what we did in Bryan, Ohio, I believe that was just a start of what God wants to do in this region. You know, we, we, we've come from Texas, and, and we're believing for the Ohio ablaze. And I believe yesterday that we saw a small piece, a small glimpse of what it would look like to see Ohio ablaze. Everywhere we looked, we had teams going out. Jesus was everywhere. Everywhere. To the point that by the end of the day, everybody knew, oh, those are the Jesus ones. They saw us coming. But not only did we come, we didn't come with judgmental stuff. We didn't come with condemnation. We didn't come with religion. We didn't come with an agenda. We came just to love on them. And love leads to repentance. We saw that. When that young man comes and says, listen, something had my body trembling. That was the spirit of the Lord. We don't have to say nothing. His love leads to repentance. So this whole thing about go now, I believe that's the Lord saying, these are our marching orders. The word go, it's an action word. It means to move, to proceed, to make way, to advance, to progress. The Lord is telling us this morning, listen, it's time for you to move. It's time for you to proceed forward. Advance, advance. I'm going to turn to Genesis 12 for those, uh, you want to turn to Genesis 12 for me. And the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country and your relatives and your family's and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. And then he says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. Okay, let's just kind of pause right there. You see, he's calling Abram, he says, leave your native country. Leave your relatives. Leave your father's family. Leave everything that you know. Leave it all behind. Now, mind you, Abram's, at this point, he's about 70-something years old. He's not like 21 or 30 where you can just get up and move. So he's like in his 70s. 
So I don't know how long you've been in your house or where you've been, but after living in a place for more than five years, you got a lot of stuff. Right? You got stuff in the attic. You got boxes. You got stuff you've never seen before. And you can imagine he didn't have a two-story home. But for 70-something years, he's been here in his place. He was comfortable. He knew all the neighbors. They probably had tea together. And all of a sudden, God tells Abram, leave your native country. Leave your relatives and your father's family. He's telling him to leave the very comfort zone of what he knew his life to be. He's telling Abram, go now. Move. Proceed. Move forward. I've got something for you. You see, when God calls you to go, this is probably the biggest part that we have a hard time understanding. That when God tells you to go somewhere, it's because he's already gone before you. You see, we know that in our mind, but we don't know that in our hearts sometimes. Just being honest. When God tells you to go, it's because He's already gone before you. He's already paved the way. He's removed the certain obstacles that are going to try to trip you up. He's already prepared the place for you. You know, I remember when we were going to move, when the Lord pulled us out of Texas many, many years ago, and he told us, I want you to go to Alabama. I said, Lord, I don't know nobody in Alabama. We were comfortable. We were like Abram. We've been in our city all our life. All our life. Our family was here. My mother, my father, my mother-in-law, our family, everything was in this place. We love San Antonio. And then he says, I want you to pick up everything you know and leave. Mind you, we were youth pastors. Our, our ministry was flourishing. Everything was doing great. And he said, I want you to pick up everything you know, leave it behind and go. And I'm like, God. And I had a hard time with that at first. Lord, I said, I don't have a job. I have no money. I have no family over there because, you know, when, when you have family, you know that if you ever run into a hard spot, you can pick up the phone, hey, I need money for gas. You know, I'm just being transparent, right? You, you run into some things that happen. Hey, I don't have no groceries. Come on over. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of you. So we go and we're going to move to a whole other state where we know nobody. So I remember when we, we pulled up, we didn't even know where we were going to live. We didn't know where we were going to live. We packed everything in a U-Haul. We drove throughout the night. Came into Florence, Alabama. Population like two. <laughs> Much like Stryker. Florence, Alabama. Beautiful place. 
Beautiful place, beautiful scenery. We didn't know where we were going to live. We didn't know where we were going to stay. We didn't know nothing. We pull up. They gave us an address where to go and just to meet the people that were bringing us in. And Would you know that they had a four-bedroom, was it a four-bedroom or three-bedroom? It was a three- or four-bedroom house. A three-bedroom house, plus it had an addition to the house that was facing the business district that we were able to put our radio station in. And then they said, you don't have to worry about nothing. We've got you this place. We've already paid the security deposit, and we paid the rent for you. You don't have to worry. And as a matter of fact, we just ordered you dinner. It's on its way. It'll be here in about 15, 20 minutes. Because, see, when you go, when you go, the Lord goes before you. And he's already paved the way. And on the way over there, my wife had one of the most amazing encounters that we've had in our ministry. And I know you might have heard this, and maybe she'll share this at another time. But see, there's blessing in the go. Had no idea. So then we get there, and we're in Florence, Alabama, and the person that owns the house is a real father figure. You know, because we left our family behind. Ah, we left our family behind. And my, my wife is very close to her, her parents. And I remember she would always tell me, I'm not going to go anywhere. My only request is this to me. I love you. and We'll do whatever you want in the ministry. I said, but Lord, don't send me anywhere until both of my parents have gone to be with you. Because it would be very hard for me to pull away. And the Lord pulled us away where both of our parents were still alive and well at that time. And it was one of the hardest things we had to do. Listen, I'm talking about the go. You see, the Lord may be talking to you about going. He may be talking to you about a transition, about a move. And you can't worry about what it looks like. And the thing about my father-in-law... Hispanic man, amazing grandpa, amazing man. It's like he, he, he just knew, like discernment would come. When we were having hard times, he would just show up with a box. And inside the box would be Fidel. Probably I don't know what that is, but Fidel, cabbage, fruit, vegetables, all kinds of stuff. To make caldo soup, you know. And he would always, like, there was the perfect timing. And then all of a sudden, I remember there was one time we, we, we were there and we're in Florence, Alabama. Listen, and we're living by faith, guys. We're like, we're doing the things of God. We're planting ministries. We're doing stuff. And we were having a hard time. And then all of a sudden, got a knock on the door. And it was the owner of the house that we're renting from. And he comes with a box. And inside the box was filled with squash and zucchini and onions. And, and he says, 
I just picked this from my garden and, you know. <laughs> I know my wife's crying because, you know, because it's, listen, those are special moments for us. That he knows every need. He knows the provision. And when you say yes to God and you go, he provides. I want to just encourage you. You see, he told Abram to leave. He told him to leave his father's house and to leave everything behind. You know, I praise God because I, I read in Luke, in Luke 9 when it says this. One day, yeah, if you're taking notes, it's in Luke 9. One day Jesus called together the 12 disciples and he gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone that the kingdom of God is at hand and to heal the sick. But then he says this. He says, take nothing on your journey, he instructed them. Don't take a walking stick. Don't take a traveler's bag, food, money, or even a change of clothes. Wherever you go, stay in the same house until you leave the town. And if the town refuses to welcome you, shake its dust off your feet as you leave and show uh, that you show you have abandoned those people to their fate. So they began their circuit of villages preaching the good news and healing the sick. He told the disciples, go. But don't take nothing. Now I know that's a hard one to kind of swallow because as an itinerant speaker, when I go out, it's like, okay, do you have, I'm going to be just tra transparent, okay, because we have to be, that's where we get our breakthrough, like, okay, do you have a place for us to stay, you know? Um, will you be able to help us with our, our gas, or our traveling, or our airfare? Will you be able to do that for us? You see, but here the Lord's saying, don't ask for nothing, Right? Why do you think that is? Why do you think that he says, don't take nothing? Don't take no food. Don't take no money. Don't even worry about your clothes. Don't take the walking stick. I believe this is a picture of the Lord telling us to leave our natural way of thinking behind. Because our natural way of thinking, our carnal thinking will say, do I have enough gas to get there? Do I have enough money to rent the U-Haul truck? Do I have food to feed my family? God, you're saying go, but I mean... I don't have no money, God, and it's $800 to, to rent a truck. 
You want me to move to Alabama? And it's like 2,000 miles away. That's like $1,600. But the Lord is saying, leave it all behind. Go. I believe it's a picture of the Lord saying, I want you to trust me. Now, I'm not saying, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying for you not to have things in advance to, you know, things. There's wisdom in that. But I believe the Lord was speaking to the disciples in a manner of trying to teach them in a way to think. That they would not think the way that they normally would think, but they would think from a, a heavenly perspective to know that, hey, praise God if the disciples had all kinds of money. Praise God if they had all the means. But he's saying, listen, I don't want you to worry about that. I'm going to give you what you need, everything. It's a picture for us to change the way that we think, to be able to, to know that God is the full source. He was teaching them to trust in the Lord. Because if you look in Luke 9, if you go down just a little bit lower, right after he teaches them about going, he teaches them how to feed the 5,000. Right after. He tells them, don't go. Don't, like, don't take nothing. Just go. And then right down, a couple scriptures down, he says, now, go and feed the people. But there's 5,000 people. Let's go feed them. But there's only five loaves of bread and there's only two fish. You see what I'm saying? To trust in the Lord. And they, they experience the supernatural as they fed 5,000 people. Come on. Verse 3 says, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. Listen, when you leave and you go, when you say, when you say yes to God, he says, I will bless you. Not only will I bless you, he says, but the people that curse you, I will use them to even bless you. People that have come against you, they're going to bless you. That's powerful, man. I got a lot of people who have cursed me. I'm waiting for the blessing, right? Oh. You know, and I believe that, that verse right there, verse 2, where he says that he will bless you, that's a picture of God's divine, heavenly protection over you. That when you say yes to God and you go now, that no weapon will be formed against you. That even the curses of man will fall to the ground in the go. The go. Uh-huh. Jesus. So verse 4 says, So Abram departed as the Lord instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left. Can you imagine? 
75 years old. Wow. Man, my feet were hurting, and I'm in my early 40s. Holy Ghost. Look, but 75 years old, you know what that is? That means there's no limit on the go. It doesn't matter how old you are. You could be 50, 60, 70, 80, 90. There is no limit on the age on the go. We are called to be the remnant of God. We are the remnant, the chosen generation, the elected generation. That's who we are. That's what burns inside of us. He was 75 years old. And I believe this. I believe that every one of us, each one of us, our goals are different. My goal may not be your goal. But your goal matters. Your portion matters. Yesterday was a perfect example of that. Everybody had their portions yesterday at the outreach. And all those portions came together. And everybody was doing what they were assigned to do and what the Lord led them to do. And not one of them was wrong. They were all right. Amen. So he took his wife, Sarai, I can't, Sarai, is that right? And his nephew, Lot, and all of his wealth, his livestock, and his people, he had taken to the house of Haran, and he headed to the land of Canaan. And when they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled to the land of as far as Shechem. Then there he set up camp beside the oak of Morah. And at that time, the area was inhabited by the Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give you the land of your descendants. And Abram built an altar and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. Listen, in the go. <laughs> in the go, the Lord gives you the land. Everything that the enemy has stolen from you, every, every promise, every word, the enemy restores, I mean the Lord restores back those words to the original intent of your life. We become a recipient of the promise in our go. Our go gives us access. Uh, Matthew 28, verse 19, if you guys want to turn there. Matthew 8, I'm sorry, Matthew 28, verse 19. I'm going to read between uh, verse 19 to 20, for if you're taking notes there. And Jesus came and said to them, by the way, I, I'm reading out of the NLT, for those of you wondering, it's the NLT version. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Come on. And then he says, Go therefore, 
and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am always with you to the end of the age. Because see, when Jesus, when, when, when he says go, you are receiving permission. You are receiving access. You are receiving a blessing from God to go. That's what the scripture is saying in Matthew. He says, I have all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he says, but go therefore ye and make disciples of the nation. He says, go and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then, I love what he says after this. He said, because he follows it up. He tells them to go, to make disciples. And then he follows that word up with a promise. And it's a covenant promise. He says this. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In your go, it doesn't matter what it looks like. The Lord has paved the way already for you. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Maybe it's your job. Maybe you're in a decision. Maybe I, I need to leave this job and I'm looking for another job. Maybe it's stepping out in the ministry. Maybe you're watching online and you're like, I want to go into full-time ministry, but I don't know what it looks like. I have a family. What, what do you want me to do, God? He's telling you in the go, I am with you. And I promise I'm going to take care of you to the very end of the age. Do we believe God's a good God? Is He a liar? No, He's not a liar. So He's telling us right here in Matthew 28, I've got you. I've got you. You worried about your husband? I've got you. You worried about your, your son or your daughter addicted to drugs? I've got you. Not only does he say, I got you, but he says, behold. That means take hold of it and keep it steadfast. Keep it by your heart. Mark 16, 15. We were giving away the bracelets yesterday. Mark 16, 15. We must have given away, how many were there? It must have been at least a thousand, it looked like, I don't know, 100, 500, I don't know. It was a lot. There was a lot of them. <laughs> but it says this, verse 15. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He's saying, go. 
He's saying go. He's not saying, wait a minute, let me think about it. How am I going to get there? What happens if they don't like what I have to say? It's not what he's saying. He's saying go. Psalms 96.3. It says this. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things that he has done. Now let's add um, the go to that. Now go and publish his glorious deeds among the nations. And go tell everyone about the amazing things that he is doing. Are you a lighthouse for the Lord? When people come around you, are you spewing poison out of your mouth? I know people like that. You run into them sometimes. How you doing? Well, you know, my, my brother did this the other day, and man, huh? Oh, he hates me. My, my sister, just she's just back on drugs again. And, you know, my family's just a mess. And they'll go, go on and go on and go on. And I'm like, where's God? You're a believer. He says, tell the good news, the glorious things. Because, listen, when we begin to speak about the goodness of God, the things that, that are bad, they leave our mind that we would focus and meditate on the goodness of the Lord. We become a lighthouse. And everybody around just begins to see. First Chronicle says this. Let the whole world sing and proclaim the good news. Come on. That's what we did yesterday in Brian. Jesus, you're so good, God. We were boldly proclaiming the kingdom of heaven is at hand. How do we do it? By telling people, man, bro, you're so amazing. Man, I just, man, I love that shirt. That's what we were doing. We were proclaiming the kingdom of heaven. Because we were the vessels. We were the ones saying, we'll go, God. We'll go. Come on. If we don't go, who's going to go? If not you, you and I, who then? Somebody has to say yes. Revelations 14.6 says this. And I saw an angel flying through the sky, carrying the eternal good news to proclaim to the people and every nation and every tribe and every language to proclaim the good news. What story are we telling? 
Can I get you to stand today? Romans 12.1 says this. I appeal to you. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Come on. I just feel the love of the Father in this place this morning, like so heavy. And I really believe everything that Pete was sharing this morning was to remind us of how he shows up in each and every one of our lives when we least expect it. And we think that things end and they stop and God's like, I'm not done yet. You haven't seen anything yet. You haven't seen my fullness of my goodness yet. You've seen, you've seen bits and pieces of it. You've, you've had your moments of, of small breakthroughs and you've seen little bitty things, but you haven't seen anything of my goodness yet. You've only seen glimpses of my light. But when you have the fullness of the light and you have the fullness of his goodness, it's so overwhelming that we couldn't even stand in it. Can you imagine just having somebody just loving on you and loving on you and loving on you until you couldn't take it anymore, that you would just eventually just break? And God's like, that's the way I am. If you just keep letting me love on you, open up your heart and let me love on you and let me love on you until something inside of you can't take it anymore and it just breaks open. And I just felt that this morning. I just felt the Lord just saying, just let me love on you this morning because you haven't seen anything yet. You haven't seen the fullness of my goodness. And I really believe, like even when Pete was talking about the go, knowing that he goes with you is key. Because I don't know about you, but I'm not going to send my son or my daughter somewhere where they're going to be harmed or hurt. I'm going to send them and tell them to go. And if I'm saying I'm going before you, then I'm going to make sure everything's good for you so you don't get harmed or hurt. So wherever he's telling you, whatever he's telling you to do, even what we did yesterday, there's a protection, there's a covering that comes from the goodness of God that he has your full back in every single part of it. And if we just learn how to get rid of fear, because fear is the first thing that shows its face every time we want to do something greater for him. And if, you know, I can't even imagine how Abraham felt when, when Abram was told to go and leave everything. You know, we have grocery stores now. We have all these things everywhere. But they didn't have any of that back then. You would travel in desert land and not know what was on the other side. And the Lord's like, I'm in, I, I really feel he's saying, I'm increasing faith this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm increasing faith inside of you in such a way that it's wrapped up in my goodness and it's wrapped up in my love 
that the increase in faith that I'm, that I'm stirring up inside of you for you to trust me with more, for you to trust me with your kids, for you to trust me in every part, it's pulling on your heart and it's causing you to come closer to him in such a way that he's just going to keep loving you and loving you. And you may make mistakes along the way because all of us do. And he's like, it's okay. I'm going to love you through every single mistake. I'm going to love you through every wrong turn. I'm going to love you. And you're like, but God, I don't even know what I'm doing. And God's like, I'm going to love you even in you not knowing what you're doing right now. Even in your not understanding, I'm going to love you right there in your not understanding. And I'm going to keep loving you and keep loving you and keep loving you. And having love be your direction. And when you're pulled by love, it's unfailing love. And it takes you to places and it causes you to do things that you would have never done. You would have never done. You know, when you're in love with someone, you'll do anything for them. Get so caught up in his love this morning. Be so in love with Jesus. And he's so in love with you. That when he pulls you to go, that you're just like, all right, I'm going to go because I love you, Jesus. Nothing else is going to pull you but his love. And when his love is pulling you, you can't go wrong. There is no mistake in his love. It's perfect. Because perfect love covers everything. Perfect love. Who is the only one that can give us perfect love? Him. God, we just thank you, Lord, this morning, Lord. For your perfect love and your perfect will in our lives, God. We thank you for the directions that you give us, God, when we need them, God. That you make them plain as can be, God. Simplicity in the direction, God. And I just pray this morning, God, that even the reminder of your goodness, the good things you do in our lives, God, the good things that you do for others, God that you're just going to keep sending love our way over and over and over and over again, God, that we have no choice but to surrender, just as we were singing this morning, God, that we have no choice but to surrender everything to you, God. We surrender your, our kids this morning, God. We surrender our families, God. We surrender every part of our ministry unto you, God. We surrender our jobs to you, God. We surrender every single part to you, God, because you are the director of our lives, God. And how you direct us, God, is through your love, God. How you show us where to go and what to do, God, is directed by your love, God. God, you have the best direction ever, God. You have the best love, the perfect love ever that covers all things, God. So I pray this morning, God, that you would touch each and every one of our hearts, God. Each and every one of our hearts, God, <laughs> that everybody here this morning, everybody watching online, God, that they would feel such intense love over them this morning, God, that it pulls them in directions that they never thought they would go to. It pulls them to make decisions they never thought they would make, God, on their own thinking, God. But love begins to pull them, God, in such a way, God, that it makes them do radical, crazy things in love, God. Radical, crazy decisions, God, in your love, God. Things that make no sense in the natural, God. <laughs> but it means perfect sense 
<laughs> in your kingdom, God. <laughs> Help us to be more like Abram, God. That we, we know how to listen to Holy Spirit. Tell us to go. God, we're going to go where you tell us to go, God. We're going to do what you tell us to do through Holy Spirit, God. Let's just pick up our hands this morning and begin to agree with the, with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> oh, we agree with you, Holy Spirit, this morning. Whatever you want us to say, whatever you want us to do, God, we just agree with you, Holy Spirit, that your love begins to come and tug at us in directions that we never thought we would do, God. Your love is going to begin to direct us. It's going to begin to blow the winds on our sails. <laughs> Send us to places we never thought we'd go. It's going to make us do things we never thought we would do, God. Oh, but it's going to come with such great love, Lord. You're going to seal that love this morning. Oh, seal it in our hearts, God, that we don't forget. We don't forget your goodness, God. We don't forget all you've already done, God. Oh, anchor us. <laughs> anchor us, God. <laughs> anchor us this morning, God. Anchor us in such a way, God, that we can't move far from you, God. We wouldn't move far from you, God. We would be anchored to you. Just as Pete was talking about that lighthouse. Make us the lighthouse, God. Cause us to be the lighthouse, God. That we would be anchored to you, God. Not to any one particular thing, God, but we would be anchored to you. Oh, when the storms come, God. Oh, we're not going to go anywhere, God. We're going to stand still. And we're going to let your love and your goodness come over us, God. <laughs> oh, we just thank you, Father. We just thank you, Lord.